an irrational fear of anything. Lots of people do. Uh, they're, they're called phobias. And the list of recognized phobias is seemingly endless. It seems that people can be afraid of pretty much anything. Uh, when I was looking into this, uh, I found some very unusual phobias. Let me give you a few examples. Have you heard of xanthophobia? It's the fear of the color yellow. Or arachibutriophobia is the fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. And then there's anatidiphobia, the fear of being watched by a duck. You're going to think I'm making these up. I'm really not. Uh, then there's uh, pentherophobia, the fear of mother-in-laws. Uh, some would say that's not irrational, but for me it would be I've got a wonderful mother-in-law. And then one for the teenagers, nomophobia. It's the fear of losing mobile phone coverage. <laughs> and you know, some people are afraid of long words. It's called hippopotamonstrosis kippodaliophobia. Oh, the irony. It's one of the longest words in the dictionary. So there are some very strange phobias out there. Uh, and if you suffer from a phobia, it's no joke. It can be absolutely debilitating. But as well as some of the stranger phobias, there are uh, some phobias which are a lot more common. And perhaps the most common of all is nyctophobia. It is a fear of darkness. Darkness features heavily in the Easter story uh, from the Last Supper right the way through to Jesus' burial. In John's Gospel, when he describes the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified, there's a conversation about who will betray Jesus. And that scene ends with these words. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Judas went out into the darkness to betray Jesus. Judas conspired with the darkness to betray Jesus. That same night in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed in anguish. He was so distressed that he was sweating drops of blood, which is a, a rare but recognized medical condition called hematidrosis. Jesus knew what was coming, and he could feel the darkness closing in around him. He was afraid. He was afraid. In the Bible, darkness often represents evil, the dominion of Satan, death, and separation from God. And when we think of darkness in those terms, I think we can see that it is not an irrational fear at all. So Jesus was praying in the garden in anguish when a mob came to arrest him. And before he was arrested, Jesus said this, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Jewish, uh, Jesus was uh, taken straight to the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, who broke with convention by conducting Jesus' trial at night. It wasn't lawful to do that, which highlights the sinister nature of these proceedings. And Peter... Peter was stood outside in the courtyard in the darkness where he betrayed Jesus three times. 
Jesus was condemned by the Jewish authorities and paraded in front of Pontius Pilate, King Herod, the Roman soldiers, and an agitated crowd that was baying for his blood. Jesus was mocked, whipped, beaten, spat on, and finally he was crucified. When Jesus died at midday, we're told darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Darkness came over the whole land. Finally, Jesus' limp and lifeless body was taken down from the cross and placed in a nearby tomb. The stone was rolled across the entrance and the man who is God was reduced to a lifeless corpse in a darkened tomb, surrounded by pitch darkness. It seems so final. At that moment, it looks like the darkness has won. Fear of darkness, fear of evil, fear of death, fear of separation from God is not irrational. But the events of Jesus make it unnecessary. The events of Easter make it unnecessary. Darkness, evil and death have been defeated. And the empty tomb on that first Easter morning is testimony to that. You know, at the time, no one tried to deny that the tomb was empty. In Matthew's gospel, when the soldiers who were guarding the tomb went to tell the chief priests what had happened, this is what they were told. You were to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. The religious leaders... Those who so wanted Jesus crucified, they now have to explain the empty tomb. That's the best they can come up with. They're certainly not going to accept the alternative that Jesus really has been raised from the dead. On that first Easter morning, the light of the world came bursting out of the tomb. John 1 verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. On Good Friday, it looked like the darkness had overcome the light. But on Easter Sunday, we realize that it was all part of God's sovereign plan. Jesus has made a way through death to everlasting life for those who will put their trust and their faith in him. The light of the world has prevailed. And so we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear anything. We don't need to fear the color yellow or peanut butter sticking to the roofs of our mouths or being watched by a duck. We don't need to fear our mother-in-law or losing mobile phone coverage. We don't need to fear long words. But most importantly, and in all seriousness, we don't need to fear the darkness, evil, death, or separation from God. They have been defeated. And the clear evidence of that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is a well-attested historic fact. On Easter Sunday, we often have baptisms. Actually, in the early church, baptisms were always on Easter Sunday. And what better day could there be to welcome new people into the church? What better day to mark the fact that they have been transferred from darkness to light? As it says in Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness 
and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Today we're baptizing Madeline, Donna and Claire. For Claire and Madeline, they're babies. They don't understand what's happening. And it's as if their parents are taking them by the hand and leading them in the way of Christ. They'll be raised in the church. And we trust that when they're old enough to understand, they will lay hold of the Christian faith for themselves. Donna is an adult, and she has made a conscious decision to follow Jesus. In both cases, baptism marks the beginning of a new life with Christ. Jesus has died for your sin and my sin. That is everything we have ever thought, said, or done that is wrong. And everything we will ever think, say, or do that is wrong. Jesus has taken the muck and the filth and the dirt and the grime. He's taken our sin down to the grave and he's left it there in the darkness, having been raised to new and everlasting life. And if you are in Christ, if you know and love Jesus, you have died to your old sinful nature and have been raised to new life with Christ. As it says in Romans 6 verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The symbolism of adult full immersion baptism captures this. Later, when Donna goes beneath the water, that symbolizes her dying to her old sinful life, literally going down to the grave with Jesus. When she comes up out of the water, that symbolizes her resurrection from the dead, rising to new life with Christ. I think you can see why baptism is so appropriate on Easter Sunday of all the days in the year. Baptism is all about resurrection. You know, there are lots of religions in the world that talk about there being some kind of afterlife. But only Christianity speaks of resurrection life. Real, literal, bodily resurrection. So today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the triumph of light over darkness, not merely in a general sense, but in our own lives, and especially in the lives of Madeline, Donna, and Claire. We need not fear the darkness. We need not fear death, because Jesus has overcome both on our behalf. As he said to the disciples, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, having come through Holy Week, we have an understanding of what you suffered, what you went through, what you were prepared to do for our sake. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for life. We thank you for the opportunity of new life with you. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will lay the the truth of the gospel on our hearts and our minds so that it becomes irresistible to us. Help us to put Jesus first and to live a new life with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.